everyone welcome back to another episode of don't be so dramatic my name is rachel and this is the podcast where i talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there for this week's episode i have with me the one and only luke cook luke is an australian actor who moved to america early on in his career to pursue international work he has since been in some amazing projects such as the chilling adventures of sabrina katie Keene, dollface and dynasty in this episode we talk about how luke struggled to book work for the first five years of being in america and how even though he screwed up his callback for sabrina he ended up booking the role we also talk about how luke uses social media apps like instagram and tiktok to create his own skits and to flex his comedy muscles Luke has recently started his own podcast called The Zaddy Zone, where he talks to people who specialize in everything health and wellness and lots of other similar areas. I'll link everything below if you'd like to follow Luke and his podcast. If you feel so inclined, you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Luke. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, all the way from America. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you, Rachel. Um, I'm doing great today. It's a nice, warm day here in Los Angeles, unlike Sydney, from what I hear. Yep. Um, I was just saying to Luke um, prior to recording that um, our Sydney side is always whinge about the winter and how cold it gets. And it's this cold, I think, every single year, but we just hate it and it's rainy and it's just not the best. It's not nice to do anything during this time, but that's okay. Yeah. We're adults. We'll get through it. We'll battle through. Yeah, we'll battle through. Um, so, Luke, you're an actor and a podcaster now as well. And I would say um, like a creative being because you do so many other different things online and with writing and everything. Um, so where did your interest in the entertainment industry as a whole first start out? I guess it, it started as just a normal actor. Um, I did all the plays in high school, absolutely loved doing that and realized that I had an obvious kind of flair for it, particularly a flair for entertaining people, if I'm frank. Like I loved to hear a laugh from an audience or just get a great moment out of an audience. And then um, and then from there, you know, when I left, left high school, went to an acting school, the Actor Centre in Australia, and then realized that I shouldn't be there. I, I shouldn't be in Australia. I probably be in America and coming over here obviously uh, was the around the time of the birth of social media and then I kind of found myself like always full of creative energy with nothing to do with it because I was like I want to use this creative energy but I don't want to wait for a call from my agents in order to get to work in order to go and have some fun and so what a great opportunity to have Instagram and now TikTok to put out one minute of something funny or interesting um, and so, yeah, that's where it's all come from. I, I don't, I don't see there to be a different differentiation between acting um, and the TikTok and Instagram thing. I think that they're the same. Um, I know that a lot of people will hate that because they'll look at certain creators and be like, "They're not an actor." Well, I, I see what I do on those mediums very much as like acting. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. And like, 
It's interesting because of the way that the industry is going with like online stuff. It's just, it makes you so much more accessible as an actor or as a creative to um, an audience essentially. And so I definitely can understand the mentality, you know, when you have done drama school and you've, um, you know, done jobs that are you go to set and you do this thing or you go to rehearsals for a play and you go, well, you sitting at home and filming yourself on your phone, you know, with a little yeah. ring light behind it, that's not acting. That's not why I went to drama school, but it's like it, the industry is adapting and why can't it be both? It's not like you don't go on to set and do that sort of acting, but you can also stay home and like what I notice with a lot of work that you do do um, as TV shows or as films, you know, a lot of it's quite, it's drama, like it's quite serious, but then a lot of your online content is very silly and funny. And so it's almost like um, showing your diversity because I feel a bit the same is that I always get a little bit nervous that what if, you know, I love doing comedy. What if I'm always picked up for drama stuff and you never get to stretch those, you know, comedy muscles and then people kind of pigeonhole you into that. So that's what I find really interesting about your online work is it's all just very silly and very funny as opposed to like some of the stuff that you do on set as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you can, um, well, you, drama doesn't play well on social media. Like no. you could post your best scenes from whatever show that you've been in or whatever scene that you did at acting school or a monologue. No one gives. Make <laughs> no. it funny. On TikTok and Instagram, no one cares. Mm. Make it funny or go away. Yeah, I 100% agree. More interesting. If you want to be educational too, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, if you're being educational, it's more like it's just you giving facts to the camera Whereas, as you say, like doing a little skit, it does have to be funny. And the funniest things are when you when you do response videos to those people who are doing the very serious, like, you know, the kind of um, fuck boy, like um, very serious <laughs> scenes of like their partners just died and they're trying to like yeah. show that they can cry on camera. <laughs> Which is just yes. like, and especially in the Australian industry as well, like, that sort of drama does not, um, it doesn't sell to our industry. We're oh. mostly about comedy. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I heard from um, an American producer from a network recently said that he was um, looking at a lot of Australian pictures because um, they're looking to open up a streaming service in Australia. And he said he was really trying to find a series that was just drama but Australians tend to write dramedies because we have to have some sort of comedy in there for some reason I don't know why yeah that's interesting I wonder if that's cultural but um it is true that the best dramas just have that little release of pressure every so often just a little pressure gauge pops off one with one joke um, you know, like I remember I was watching The Affair earlier in the year and I just, I was just engulfed by a brilliant show, but every so often there'd be a great line or a great bit of humor and you just, you just relax for just a moment because it is so heavy that we do need that comedy. I mean, that's in my, that's my taste though. That's my opinion. Mm, I completely agree. I think it's like when you want to deal with heavy subject matter, 
people are not going to... And this is why I kind of had to stop watching The Handmaid's Tale because it was so depressing. And I was just Mm. like, I don't know when I'm going to be in the right frame of mind to just sit down and depress myself, you know? (laughs) So it has to have that bit of like, oh, it's going to be like very thought-provoking and serious, but there's also going to be moments where I'm like, I'm just watching a show again, you know? Yeah, look, the thing is about that, you know, and and streaming networks and, and all networks are aware that people at the end of their hellish day, working their hellish job, making next to nothing, coming home, they don't want to watch necessarily the most dramatic thing. A lot of people want to relax, switch off, you know, give me real housewives, give me absolute dumbness so I can just turn off this brain for once. And, uh, you know, by the way, TikTok and Instagram, but TikTok in particular, has more people logging onto it every day than any streaming network and than any cable channel. Wow. And so the way of the future is this type of entertainment. It's, it's for the people, it's made by the people, and it's direct to you, and more people are spending more time on their phones than watching TV. I mean, absolutely. Everyone is on their phones more than that. But everyone's watching TikTok while they're watching TV now, and they're hardly watching TV. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep, it's very true. It's kind of sad, but it's also like, um, you know, you have to develop your way of working or get left behind. That's like, that's the reality of the situation. If, you know, if you are a performer and you're kind of rejecting this idea of like online content, that's fine. Like, you know, you don't absolutely need to get onto TikTok in order to um, make the career that you want as an actor. But I think if, no. if you're going to outright reject it and be like, no, I'm not going to do that because TikTok is shit. And I understand, yeah. I understand it, but you have to understand that it is, it is such a powerful platform. And we had um, two creatives on um, a previous episode, um, Byron Dempsey and Pace Randolph, who are um, great on TikTok and they actually coach people on how to grow their TikTok platforms. And it was really interesting to talk to them because you they give you the hard numbers of like, well, if you do want to get on TikTok, here's what you can get from it. And they're not saying like as soon as you get on it and you start posting videos, you'll grow so much. It's like you have to find the niche of what people like seeing. And even when you do find the niche, it's not that you're going to get a million views per video. It's just that it's, it is also a fickle platform because one could hit a million and then people are like, oh my God, you're awesome. And then the next video, they're like, ah, not so good. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, I I think the numbers on TikTok to me, following numbers don't mean anything. No. You can have 3 million followers and it doesn't mean any, converts to absolutely nothing in the real world. Doesn't mean brands want to work with you. Doesn't mean any casting directors or producers want to hire you because they're like, because I think early on in the TikTok days, if you were involved with that app, they just, and you were creating, they just pumped your numbers up. And so now there are people with 20 million followers who can't book an acting job, Mm. who can't get any branded work because it doesn't necessarily convert to um, an engaged audience. But I want to say on something before that you were talking about actors, whether they should get on TikTok or not. Look, I think if you want to create that type of content and you think you could do a good job of it, then do it. But if you're just an actor who like wants to keep it serious and you want to be a, dra- a dramatic actor, you're not interested in the comedy so much, um, and you don't want to create it, I say don't do it. I don't. I don't think you should want. To, you should have to do anything, particularly the social media stuff, if you don't want to do it. 
Um, I see a lot of people getting on and it just, it screams inauthentic yeah. when you can tell that their team has told them to do it. Don't do it. Um, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. A hundred percent agree. And it's also like, I think people, and maybe you found this with podcasting as well. It's that, you know, I think the time that goes into it as well, like creating online little skits and stuff, it's not that you just do it. Maybe you do, but it's um, I've, I've experienced and I've seen other people experience that it takes hours. And same with podcasting. Like I think people think it's, oh, you sit down, you record a conversation and then off it goes onto the internet kind of thing. But it's like, it's a lot of work. And so in order to, you know, uh, be successful and keep going at it, it does take a lot of time and effort as well. And so that's something that I think people need to ask themselves is like, hey, do I have the time and energy to put this into this thing? And do I actually enjoy it enough to put that time and energy in rather than it just being like, oh, Luke Cook told me that I should get on TikTok. And so I have to put in those hours of work. Otherwise, I'm not going to have a career like his, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I reckon just, um, you know, if you've got the time and you like it, then do it. But if you don't, then forget it. It's not a, I really hate, oh, I hear casting directors say, you know, having a social media presence is really important. And it's like, I don't know if that I actually, it is important because in the end, and you hear casting directors say this, but you never hear producers say it and you never hear directors say it. Mm. And so I don't know if it actually does mean anything in the end. I, I, I don't know if they really give a shit whether you've got a big following or not. Yeah, I think it's like what will be will be what's meant for you is meant for you kind of thing and just you have to do what you enjoy essentially, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's interesting that you went overseas partway through drama school. So what kind of spurred going to America? Obviously in the Australian industry we're all told, you know, America is where it's at. So if you can get overseas, that's really helpful for your career. What spurred that idea for you and what were the first couple of years like over there? Um, so I met my manager, um, my ex-manager when uh, I was in Sydney, he's an Australian. He was coming over here to start a company and he said, look, why don't you come with me? And I was like, well, I've always planned to go to LA. It was a real toss up to, I continue going to acting school. It's a great acting school. I was really enjoying it, but I was like, I, I really want to do this. And I reckon I can go and give it a shot right now. And so I did. And um, funny thing was when I got off the plane, I booked a couple of jobs, series regular roles right off the plane. And then I didn't have the right visa. So they were like, you can't have the job. You need to go back and sort your visa out. I go back and sort my visa out. I come back and I didn't book any work for five years. Really? Nothing. Wow. That's interesting. So what? <laughs> so it's funny. It's, it's funny the way things go like you know i sometimes ask myself oh maybe i should have stayed or and it's like who cares like you really i went for it i jumped in the deep end and i learned to be a better actor at the at my acting school over here than i did over there i mean i don't know where it was headed i only did a year but it was like body and voice and i'm like <laughs> yeah okay that's important but also like give me a fucking scene mm. and let's do that and actually let's see where i'm at as an actor rather than this whole break down your body and your voice and let's rebuild it. It's like, can we just, where's the acting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where's the acting? Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, I, I mean, a, a lot of great actors are produced via that type of training and I, and I, I may have enjoyed it in the end. Um, I never got to find that out, but uh, 
All I'll say is the first year of acting school, I could have skipped. I didn't need that year. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I did too much of the voice work and the movement work. And it was when I was done with my three years of acting school, I was like, thank God, goodbye. I'm out of here to do some actual acting because like I, I understand yeah. what it's trying to teach you, but then it's almost like, I feel like I let mm -hmm. all of it go when I left and started working more specifically on my acting and doing scenes with, you know, in different classes and with different coaches and like with the whole voice mm -hmm. thing, you're like, oh, where's your voice sitting for this character? Like, is it in your head? Is it in your nose? whatever and then when you Genre. get to actual like doing your scenes they're like use your voice like how does luke's voice sound when he's saying this line how does rachel's voice sound when she's doing this scene and it's like well what why was i doing all of these different voice things like what for i think it's maybe helpful a little bit but then i just yeah i feel like it all goes out the window and you just kind of bring yourself anyways yeah, uh, in the end, the ability to break down a scene, to read a script and understand what's going on um, is the most important skill that you can learn. Uh, if you've got, you got a good voice, that's really good. Mm. And if you do have a problem with your voice, like you can hear people with really squeaky voices mm. or the inability to be loud enough yeah. for, to, to hit an audience, to even hit a camera, that's an issue as well. Um, and you need to work on that. And then there's tension, and that's important too. Like it's good not to be too tense, good to be nice and relaxed in front of the camera and the ability to be relaxed and then switch on certain muscles in order to be tense and getting your body to do, you see, it is important, but it's just not the most important. The most important is to be able to read a scene, break it down, understand what's going on, because in the end, I want you to play what's going on. I don't want you to play a voice and I don't want you to play a body shape or thing. Like I don't care about your, you know, your Alexander technique crash. <laughs> and I don't mean to shit on like, you know, acting schools and acting techniques and all that sort of stuff. I think they have a place in the industry. And maybe the idea is you learn it and then you just throw it out because unconsciously you might be using those techniques anyways. Um, but I, yes. I found personally just having life experience and like finding out who I am as a person and experiencing different things in life has made me a better actor. It's just understanding that I, you know, when they always say like, when you go into an audition, like bring yourself into the room, like do a take of like what you think the character is. And I feel like for the longest time, I didn't really fully understand what that meant. And then when I started doing things where I was like, mind you, like a character, but I was kind of just doing the scene as if it was a version of myself, I found that those scenes were reading so much better on camera. And I was like, oh, that's what they mean. Just kind of bringing yourself into the room. And that was a really weird thing for me. Um, I don't know if you've yeah, had well, a doing what thing. you want to do, doing what you want to do and then and, and doing the way that you think the scene should go rather than what you think they want the scene to do or where you think they think the scene should go or what actress they want to see coming through the door. It's good to just be like, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. Because either way, you know, the chances of you getting the job, as you've heard Brian Cranston say, is like, you know, you have 0.1% a chance of getting this job, mm. right? So either way, go and do what you want to do and make it as good as you can and, and show off what you can do and really show them who you are. 
Yeah. You may as well just do that rather than go, I want to get the job. I'm going to try and get the job. I'm going to give them what they want. Well, you're going to be number one, not creatively fulfilled in that audition and not creatively fulfilled in that tape. But, um, you know, you're not going to show them the best version of what that could be. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I think that that's something that people just kind of figure out themselves. It's not, it's something like, obviously for me, everyone was telling me, Rachel, <laughs> do this thing. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just not understanding it. I think it's something that you eventually figure out yourself and it takes however long. And that's why we see people like, oh, they, you know, they started booking stuff when they were in their early 20s or they started booking stuff when they were in their early 30s or late 30s. It's like everyone's journey is different because we're all kind of comprehending what acting is and what being a creative is at different times in our life, dependent on what we've experienced, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, I don't know, giving yourself an, an age limit of when you should be working by, um, which is a, it's a common thing people do. Like, it's like, oh, I want to be working by the time I'm 29. And if I'm not, then I'm going to leave LA or I'm going to quit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you just, you may as well just throw in the towel right now. Cause it just means that you don't really want it. You just want to be successful. You don't really want to like tell a story. You don't want to like put across something, you know, you don't want to, uh, you don't really want to embody being an actor and, and, and a creative. You just want to be successful and show everyone that you can be successful and that's what it's all about for you. I just say, like, just don't give yourself a timeline. If you want to give yourself a timeline, as I said, you just quit now. Mm, yeah, definitely. So, well, on that point then with, you know, um, people going, oh, if I don't do it by this point, then I'm going to leave. Like, how was, you know, five years is a, a decent chunk of time to be in another country and to not book anything. So, like, what was your mentality through that time and how did you kind of keep yourself going, I guess? Yeah, um, good question. I guess I really was always looking for the the seed of hope. So, for instance... Um, if you're doing an audition and you really want to get it right, like you're like, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, that that's how I, do, I auditioned, but I, I really wanted the role. I was like, well, I haven't heard back from them yet. So there's, there's a reason I should be here. And I was always looking for that hope. I was looking, at, looking for that thing that was like, there's a reason I should be here because this might happen. Or, you know, I, I've got, a, I've got a bit of hope in this and it can be an, and it can be anything. It can be, um, you know, if you're doing a play on the weekend, well, I've got to be here for this. I'm at, you know, I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, you're doing a scene in acting class. I'm looking forward to doing that. That's a reason to be here. And I was always looking for the signs that I was good. I was always looking for like, you know, when people would, you'd come out of an audition and they'd tell your agent, hey, you did a great job. You're like, bam, supposed to be here. A producer, like, or anyone that you meet who's like, hey, you're really good. Hey, I love your Instagram stuff. I did, bam, there's another reason. Like, I got to be here. Always looking for that reinforcement that there's a reason that you're here. Now, if those things weren't there, I would have left. I would have quit, but they've always, they've been there. Now I've got to reinforce, I've got to continue to, I continue to live that way right now. I'm continually needing to reinforce the fact that I need to be here, that I'm good, that I'm, that I should keep going in this act, in this world. Um, and that gets harder and harder. Uh, I found the less kind of community of actors that you have around you and the less that you're working. So if you're not working a lot, and you're not like like getting around other actors and doing work in front of them and, and directors and stuff, then you never get that reinforcement. You're just sending in tapes and no one says anything about them. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh my God, I'm starving. Like, 
is this good? Am I doing good work? Have I lost it? Am I shit? Should I go home? Like, what am I doing? And so like, um, I just want everyone to know, like, I guess the point of this would be that it doesn't matter where you're at. You, you've got to be looking for that reinforcement. And if you're not getting it, you should be aware that you're not getting it. Do something to remedy it by either getting better or getting around a community actors who is like of people that you can work in front of who are going to watch you. And then if it's really not coming after many years of doing that, maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe then you should be doing that, not, you know, doing something else. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a really interesting way to look at it. And it's like that. <laughs> It's the same idea of when they say, you know, oh, we have to think in the mindset of like when you audition, that's the job and you've done the job and that's it, you know, rather than the getting the job is the cherry on top. And I think that that just reinforces what you've just said. It's like even just doing a taping class or even just getting together with an acting friend and filming a scene just, you know, just because or just to to put something in your show reel. The those small moments, yeah, they should they should be spurring you on, but of course you get to a point where you're like, okay, can I book something now to further fuel me because that's why I'm doing this job in the first place. So it's yeah. like trying to juggle both of those things. And I think what is great now is the ability to create um, films and series like web series and stuff like that quite easily. I think that, you know, however many years ago, it wasn't as easy as it is now. And I think it's like for me personally, when I, you know, do short films that I've written or stuff like that, it does, it kind of feeds that acting thing in me to further go, okay, so I've just done a film which is, you know, I feel like one step up from just sitting at home and filming a scene with a friend. And so it's, yeah, having the ability to go, okay, what can I do for myself to make myself feel like I'm a real actor, essentially? Because that's maybe what we don't feel like when we don't book jobs is, you you know, when people ask you what you do and you don't want to say actor because then they're going to ask like, oh, but what have I seen you in? And you're like, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And then in Australia, Australia, that's so hard because, uh, you you know, it's like, well, you don't watch your own local television anyway. Like, even if you have been in something in Australia, Australia, like, have I seen you anything? Well, you probably don't watch ABC, do you? (laughs) Like, so, you know, I don't know what to tell you. No, that, you know, I don't know. You can tell them you're in an episode of something. Yep. (laughs) That's always a hard thing anyway. Even if you haven't been been in something in Australia, if you're an Aussie actor listening to this and you're like, well, I've not been in anything and I tell people I'm an actor and people are like, well, what have you been in? You just you just say, oh, I'm just in the middle of a few things right now. I'm shooting a short. I actually don't really know what advice I'd give to you, but you, you just stick to your guns and don't let anyone tell you you're not an actor. If you believe that you are, it's all good. Mm. I don't really know what to tell you. You could be an aspiring actor. If you feel like you're right at the bottom and you're really not there yet, like you don't have any credits, you don't even go to acting school, Maybe you can call yourself an aspiring actor. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, one thing that I, um, if you're okay to talk about, and I'm very curious about, is you've just had a baby. And something that I often think about, you know, um, being a woman and coming into my 30s this year um, is, you know, life happens and you're like, do I want to have kids? Do I not want to? And I said to my partner recently, I was like, I 
if we were to have a kid right now, I have no idea how a baby would fit into my life. Like how I would juggle having a baby and then having a creative career. And it was interesting, yeah, watching you just recently um, have a baby. And I wondered like, how is that with juggling a creative career? Because you can't just say to your partner, oh, so nine to five, I'm going to work. I'll be back after that. It's like things pop up. You know, you have to go away at certain stages randomly. You might have an audition pop up and go, hey, can you take the baby for like two hours? Because I need to do this. How does that work? I have no idea. I can't, my little brain can't comprehend it at this moment in my life. So I'm curious to see what your experience is like. Well, lesser people have done it. And I don't know you very well, Rachel, but I'm sure you are, uh, you're not the lesser people that I'm talking about. Lesser people have done this. And um, and I I was obviously, you're obviously a bit scared when you become a parent of the way that they're gonna inconvenience you. Mm. That's the main thing that you probably think about. You're like, wow, my life is over. <laughs> All the fun and freedoms are gone, you know? And um, one thing you don't keep in mind is how much you're gonna fall in love with something. Mm. You're about to fall in love with something more than you've ever fallen in love with anything in your life. And I guarantee, and I, I can pretty much guarantee you of that. I think it's the same for nearly everyone. Um, you will love it more than the partner that you're having the baby with. <laughs> you will love the baby more. And it, so, you know, you don't wanna miss out on that. Ex- I don't think you wanna miss out on that experience. And I, um, what I'm saying is, the inconvenience, yes, is something worth thinking about, but you're not, you're not thinking about the love that you're going to have for that little being. It's so insane and incredible that like, I'd recommend anyone to do it, but all we ever talk about is the inconvenient part. Mm. We don't ever talk about the how, and it was the part that surprised me. I just thought he was going to be inconvenient. I didn't <laughs> think I'd fall in love. Yeah. And he is deeply inconvenient, but he's also lovably inconvenient. And what I, um, I, I, what I find is you have less time in the day, but you, the time that you do get, you need to, you go harder. You're like, okay, well, I know I have a spare hour here. I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn this entire mo- um, uh, audition in that two hour period. And two hours is actually a lot of time to learn something because yeah. if we all think of it two hours, that's not a lot. But it's like, okay, 20 minutes as hard as you can, mm. then take a 10 minute break. Then come back 20 minutes as hard as you can, 10 minute break. Do that again and again and again. And that's four times you've done 20 minutes, 10 minute break. And you, I gar- and I guarantee you, if you do that a lot and a lot and a lot, you get really good at learning those lines. Mm, that's very true. Um, well, with the, like, how has your routine changed then? Because um, I imagine babies, they wake up early and... For me, I'm not an early riser. And so my sleep-ins are like integral to me functioning as a human and being able to juggle Mm. a bunch of different things. So that's where my mind is going. I'm like, how am I going to get enough sleep in order to function properly? And is that something that you've had to deal with kind of, you know, trying to be at the top of your game and being able to, you know, try and get those roles that you're auditioning for, but also not getting a lot of sleep. Well, yeah. And this is another, um, this is another thing people talk about is the lack of sleep. Now, early in the early days, I feel like I'm giving a little bit of a, like a baby lesson or something, but in the, in the early days, they kind of, um, they, they do, uh, they are on and off, on and off with their sleep. Eventually you can sleep train them though, which is what we did, which was, that's a lifesaver. Now I didn't actually do it. I was away in Atlanta shooting at the time 
which is a blessing. Don't tell my wife it's a bad thing. Because that what, what, what you're teaching the baby is whenever you cry, you're always expecting us to come in. Well, that's not going to happen now. You cry, we're not necessarily going to come in. And they, they say that this there's a there's, it's kind of traumatizes the baby, but they don't remember it, so it doesn't really matter. Mm. You're essentially teaching the baby to sleep when he wanted to sleep, and for it to be awake at certain times, rather than being on off on off for 24 hours a day. And so what we have now with with my son, um, he was a, at one point he was he he was sleep 12 hours through the night, seven till seven, and then have two naps throughout the day. Wow. Now he's at, he's nearly two, so he's at just having one nap in the day, but he's seven till seven. Wow. 7 p.m. till 7 a.m. That's pretty damn good. Mm. And so what you, you know, your body requires seven hours at least, you know, or, well, and there are, you can, you, you can oversleep, but seven hours is like a great amount of time to get a good sleep. Eight hours is ideal. Um, you need to be able to get that. If you're not getting that within while he's sleeping, then, you know, that's on you. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, this gives me hope. I can go home today and be like, Nick, Luke said that it's going to be fine. So maybe in five years. It is going to be fine and it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's also like it's a challenge and, you know, we need challenging as humans. We can't just be, you know, look, I mean, you can just be with, you know, your partner and be without children for a long time. It's absolutely your choice. But it is also good to really challenge yourself and see what else you can do and add to that the fact that you're going to fall in love with something more than you've ever fell in love with anything in your entire life. Mm. Yeah, well, thank you for that quick baby lesson. That was purely just for my sake because that was literally something that I've wondered about for a long time. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people are thinking out there and particularly women, but also, you know, I'm sure there are a few men listening who are like, oh, I know my girlfriend kind of wants wants it a little bit more than me. Uh, I don't know what to do. Look, um, here's the next thing I'll say that's very un-PC. But if you're in love with a person and you really are in love with them and it's legitimate and you're emotionally mature and you feel like not wearing protection and you're of age, go for it. Mm, I agree. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to take that clip out of this whole podcast and just be like, that part. Thank you. Um, it's just like, it's that thing. Cause I've heard so many, well, you know, when I was younger, I heard a lot of people say this, it's like, they didn't want to date because they wanted to put their career first, which is totally fine. But it's like yeah. their mentality is I need to book this job or that job before I can do this in life. And it's like that putting off of life experience because you're like, oh, no, I see my life as, you know, I become a successful actor and I get all of these jobs and then I find a partner and then I have the kids and it never works out that way. And it's just been interesting for me to kind of have that thought process of like, well, if I do want to have kids, how do I fit that into this career? And I guess it's just that that situation of like when it happens, you just make do. And you just go, okay, well, this is the situation and this is how we're going to juggle it. But you can, I think it's one of those things that you can't actually pre-plan a lot for because you have no idea what's going to happen in the future. You have no idea what jobs you're going to book or what auditions you're going to have to do on that day or, or you know, what you're going to yep. want to record. And it's, yeah, it's, it's life, I guess. That's just what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to hear, you know, I... I remember when I was a young, like a younger actor, I always thought that, you know, 
of you have to be obsessed with acting and when you act you've got to put your whole body into it and if you know if you do a fight scene you may as well do the fight scene for real and you know like <laughs> things like things, things like that where it's like everyone wants to be james dean and marlon brando and it's like you're not you're not james dean or marlon brando you're whatever your name is that's what you are and also you're a human being first don't be an actor first actors first actors who are like actors before they're humans are idiots they're the type of people that like make a fool of what we do these like thespian twats who go around spouting monologues when you know and not having any social awareness be a good human be a better human be more socially aware be more emotionally mature learn life don't just think about being an actor all the time there's more to life i swear to god there is more to life no one will want to be your friend if you just want to be an actor and that's all you want to do and that's all you want to be a hundred percent i a hundred percent agree with that it's interesting like when I think about the the things that I watch on TV and stuff like that, part of me and the the part that is not um, very grounded and is that little voice on your shoulder, my partner and I have been watching this treasure hunting show on Netflix. It's very interesting. It's like they're hunting for pirate treasure on this um, on this island called Adak, which is just off the coast of um, Alaska. Anyways, it has no like. It has nothing for me as an actor. And sometimes I feel like as actors, we feel like we have to watch movies and TV shows that we're going to be able to talk about with other actors and be like, oh, you know, did you see this film and the acting and blah, blah, blah and whatever. And sometimes like I have to catch myself when I'm watching a treasure hunting show to not have that pressure of like, oh no, I'm an actor. I have to watch something that's going to further my acting career. It's like, no, this is a great show. It's fun. They're, they're hunting for treasure and I'm invested in them finding gold and that's fine. Exactly. Relax and enjoy yourself and watch things that entertain you. And it doesn't always have to be about acting all the time. You know, you do that for however many hours a day you're thinking about acting. How about for this two hours that you just had dinner, and just relax and watch whatever the hell you want to watch and let your brain switch off. Stop thinking about monologues and, you know, interpretive dancing. Why don't you just relax for a second and enjoy, enjoy this. I'm watching alone right now. It's a, it's a, oh, yeah. it's a, on the Disney channel. I don't know how we watch it. Maybe. I think it's I've on been, binge. They're survivalists. Yeah. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love it. Like, it's like, they've got a, they're around all these grizzly bears and they've somehow got to like survive longer than anyone else. I think it's, sensational Mm. Uh, but you know there isn't i will say that there is an element that you especially if you're going out a lot and meeting fancy producer types it's always good to know what they've done yeah and know their work and be able to talk to them about their work it's good to know about it's good to know about the writers and the directors that are out there and you know it's good to know your stuff but i just you know that can become obsessive and um, they don't mind like you know if you don't know one of the movies that they're talking about but it, that'll be fine. But if you don't know any of the movies they're talking about, then it's like, okay, maybe we're going to have a, maybe you have a problem. Maybe you should get to work a little bit. Yeah. And I think I, I noticed that with podcasting as well. It's like, you know, obvi- I, I've seen some of your work, but I haven't seen all of it. And when I look down your list of credits, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, but that doesn't matter <laughs> because at least I yeah. know some of it. And I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and be like, Luke, I watched every single film you've been in for the last 10 years. And I know I would feel so sorry for you <laughs> if you did all that. Somebody, some, um, somebody we saw in a walk the other day was like, 
we, we saw you in a show. Oh my God, it was a piece of shit. And I'm like, oh um, they told me. I was like, oh, what's the, which show? And they're like, because um, there's like been a few that are a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah. I go, Dynasty? And they're like, oh, no, 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 not Dynasty, um, SWAT. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a piece of shit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's a complete piece of shit, just in case it produces a listening or anything like that. But it is, you don't, you don't, you're not going to be in love with everything you do. And, every, and sometimes you just got to take the checks. Sometimes it's shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, you do, it's a job. You do what you do best and then you leave and that's it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when you booked Sabrina, which was, was that one of the, was that the first biggest or one of the first biggest shows that you kind of got like a, a main role in? The first biggest. I mean, I booked a couple of things along the way, but I hadn't booked a nice big one like that that had such an influence on the show and also oh. it had an audience of very invested young people who were going to blow up my Instagram in a way that I'd never expected. Yeah. Which, you know, good to want, it's good to get a show. It's even better to get a show like that where, like, not only do you, you know, not only are you on a show, but you also have, like, 900,000 followers out of nowhere. Yeah, well, that's what I was curious about because you came on in season two. Um, and what was that like going into a show that already had such a cult following? Because I think we can, you know, obviously when you book those roles, you do get very, very excited. But at the same time, I don't think you can ever comprehend what's going to happen with it. And so what was it like yeah. to go into a show, yeah, with that audience and then for things to change really, really quickly for you? It was cool. I mean, I didn't really know how much people actually loved it. People love it. Um, I, I, I was just like, oh, this is a fun show. People seem to like it. <laughs> and then I met everybody and I added them on Instagram. And I was like, you guys have huge followings. And they're like, yeah, because of the show. And I'm like, mm. oh, that's how popular it is. I mean, it doesn't, I knew it was popular. I just didn't know with what group of people it would be popular with. We're talking about a, a generation of people who, when they see you on a TV show, they get on their phones, look up your name and find you on Instagram. So yeah, it's, it's good. I think I might've followed you because of Sabrina. I think, I can't remember. Maybe it was beforehand, but I remember just thinking as an Australian actor, we go, oh, there's an Australian actor in this big Netflix show. Um, who is it? Look it up on Instagram. Oh, okay, cool. And so, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's interesting with those shows because they really can make so, like, they can make careers, essentially. And um, They can, they can, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, they can, make you, they can make a career and what I often say about what it did for me was it just put me at the bottom of a different ladder. Yeah. Like, I was at the bottom, I was at the, like, in the middle of one ladder, bam, it lifted me up that ladder and put me at the bottom of another one. So mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm maybe not there yet i'm not massively successful i have to still audition i am looking forward to the day that i just get offered things but um <laughs> like that's my dream but i you know yeah it's put me at the bottom of a different ladder and um i'm very grateful for that show for what it did for me because um god where, where would i be if i wasn't if i didn't do that <laughs> well with the audition process for that then did you have an inkling as to like what it was gonna be like, what, did it feel different to other auditions that you'd done? Did you feel like, you know what, this actually feels right for me? Like, what was that process like? You know, it's such a funny thing when 
when I get auditions that are right for me, so often I look at them and I, my first glance and I'm like, this, this isn't for me. Mm. And then I'm like, shut the fuck up, read it again. I read it again and I'm like, okay, this is probably good, good for me. I should get this. I should, I should, I should want to get this role. Like you got to want it a little bit. You can't like not want it. Yeah. Cause that, that, that not wanting it is like, oh, I don't think it's very good. Like I'm like, I, I can do this. This is good for me. And so you go ahead learning it. I seriously thought of writing back to my agent when I saw that script though, and, and was just going to say, oh, I'm not going to go. Cause I was, I was kind of in the middle of shooting another movie and I didn't really, I was just busy. Mm. And I was, but I was <laughs> like an idiot. But then I was like, okay, go and learn it. I learned it that night. The next day, the next morning I had the audition. That next afternoon, they they had that callback that same day, and um, the second the callback was with an, was with a casting director named David Rappaport, who I hadn't seen in years, and he hadn't called me in in years, so it was like nerve wracking, and I I could not get that monologue out to oh. save my life. Three times I attempted, and on the third I got through it, but I was like, this sucks, I suck. He goes, thanks a lot. I walked out. I wanted to punch a wall. I was so angry because I'd messed up in front of this guy who I hadn't seen in ages. Um, but then they called the next day and were like, hey, you're on hold. And then on Sunday, they're like, you're going. You're going tomorrow. What? It was that quick? That quick. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's just like, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, what the frig is holding them up? Like, why are you doing this right when you need the actor? Yeah. I don't know why they do that, but they do it. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting to know that you... Like essentially just like the audition did not feel good for you. And then they were like, nah, he's it. Which then furthers our point before of like when you just come in and you're just yourself and you go, hello, um, I'm Rachel and this is my scene. Even if you're stuffing up the lines, it's interesting that they're like, nah, he is a good actor and I'm comfortable putting him on set with all of these people, you know, with my name on it kind of thing. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, what I think is the lesson there really is about that you, what you think about an audition or a performance does not matter. Mm. Like what you, when you do a scene and you come off stage and you're like, that was shit, you can go out and see friends and they'll be like, that blew me away. Sometimes you do a scene and you come off and you're like, that was incredible. <laughs> you're going to love me. And you go out and they're like, you look like you had some fun up there. And that's what yeah. it's about. It's like what you feel about what you did has nothing to do with whether that's a good performance or not. What you feel is not the fact. Yeah, that's so weird. I, I imagine that you've had multiple auditions where you're like, I nailed that. And then you just don't get it. And you're like, what gives? Mm-hmm. Do I guess you need to, you know what, I feel like we've figured out the formula, Luke, is that you need to go into auditions and you need to fuck up your lines and be like, oh, that was such a bad audition. And they're going to be like, no, 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 that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. the other thing is like maybe I cared a bit too much. That's why I was kept effing it up. Mm. You know, I cared about getting right with this casting director. And if I'd cared less, I could have just probably just spat it out. Um, I don't, I don't think they ended up casting me on my callback audition. I think they cast me on my initial audition and they were like, cause mm. it was probably exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well then what's it been like since doing that show for you? Like how have things changed in regards to like how you work as an actor and like the way that I guess the industry interacts with you? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's not too different, to be honest, like the way that the industry interacts with me anyway. Like, I still get in for good parts because I've got somewhat of a name. I do have a lot of credits. Um, but, you know, I've, as I said, I still go to audition and um, people don't really... Uh, people don't... People don't really give a shit about me. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. People don't really give a shit. They're like, okay, Luke Cook, yeah, we'll say no to him, no worries. And they have. And so, like, I don't really know. Um, things haven't really... People want to take pictures sometimes when I walk down the street. Mm, okay. That's what's changed. Um, and, you know, I don't... The productions would never say to me, oh, we're not, we can't give him the role because he doesn't have good credits or any credits. I've got credits now. That's mm. the difference. It really hasn't changed that much. As I said, I'm at the bottom of a different ladder. I'm just, um, I may be too good to go to do co-stars and certain guest stars I, I'm too good for. Mm. But other than that, because um, I'm just past them, not too good, I'm just past them. Yeah. But other than that, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm like, I'm out there battling like everybody else. I'm fighting for my roles. Mm, interesting. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about podcasting. Um, so you have your new podcast, The Zaddy Zone. Um, what made you get into podcasting? What What was the interest there? Because you interview people that do lots of different things, lots of different jobs, and just ask them advice, essentially. I listened to the one that you did with the nutritionist, um, and that yeah. was purely all based on, like, you know, what you should be eating and uh, kind of the myths around um, food and dieting to do with exercise and stuff. So yeah, what made you want to start podcasting? Well, I have a big passion for health and wellness. I absolutely love it. Um, and I really wanted to make a podcast for people. I felt like a lot of my following, they don't really get into the health and wellness thing. Mm. And I go, well, I can really tap into a group of people here who've never heard about health and wellness, don't know anything about the first thing about how to feed themselves really well. What we hear is from the TV and the TV tells you that whole wheat bread is really good for you. And it's like, <laughs> well, is that even true? Uh, so I thought I could start this health and wellness thing. But then as I've, as I've gone on and I haven't been doing it for very long, but uh, I've realized that, you know, just health and wellness is pretty boring. Like what you eat and all that stuff is, it's not boring. It, it can just be covered very quickly. Yeah. All the things that you need to know. And then I've realized that I like to talk to people and so I think I'm just going to get in the most interesting people that I can, not entertainment people necessarily. I don't really want to talk to actors because um, uh, for various reasons, there's plenty of podcasts to listen to actors there talk. Is, yes, there's I really plenty. want to talk to people who like, uh, you know, have a, have a say on what's going on politically, socially, uh, mental health, um, sexual health. Um, yeah. Mm, I completely understand that. I think, you know, obviously as someone who has a podcast where I interview, you know, people that work in this industry, um, like my reasoning for that is because I want to round out my creative career. But I think it's, you know, it's really interesting when someone like yourself wants to go, hey, yeah, sure, I am an actor, but I have an interest in this and I want to explore that. And I think that's a really healthy thing to do. And I really encourage um, other actors to do those sorts of things like have something else that you like doing that has nothing like obviously podcasting is a part of the entertainment industry because it's a different mm. form of it but it's yeah it's really interesting to put your energy into something that's not acting and to not talk to actors and as you say there are so many podcasts out there that do talk to actors and they're all different and they're all very helpful but it's just I think 
doing that, it kind of rounds you out more as like an actual human being rather than what we said before, which is just your interest is acting and that's it. That's not very interesting for people to hang around you because if that's all you're going to yeah, talk I mean, about. You'll be, a, you'll, you'll be mentally more happy if you can do more things than just act or if you get to like, you know, when acting's driving you up the wall or your relationship's driving you up the wall, if you can go and, you know, carve wood and you enjoy doing that, go and do that. If you enjoy <laughs> making Instagram videos, go and do that. If you want to talk to people you love being interested, go on and start a podcast, you know, really find it out, out what it is that you like to do and don't let anybody hold you back and go, oh, well, actors shouldn't do that because it can, you know, you should really be focusing on acting. It's yeah. all trash. Yeah. Actors should be well-rounded human beings. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's that myth that, you know, if you want to have a certain type of career or you want to um, get some type of goal like booking a big series or something, there's this myth that that's all you have to focus on. And, like, you know, you have to wake up every day and do a scene or do voice work every single day and that's how you're going to kick that goal. And I have never felt that way about acting and I, I think that holds a place for people who do struggle to put the work in. Like, that can be great. But at the same time, you can become obsessive. And that is not healthy mentally. I think obsessing over anything is not healthy mentally for a long period of time, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, just so everyone's aware, like, while I'm talking about, about, bad about obsessing about acting, I tell you what, I obsess about acting all the time. Yeah. Obsessing about getting the work, it's completely normal. It's just yeah. like give yourself give yourself permission to not obsess about it sometimes. Give yourself permission to go and do something else and just take your mind off everything and relax and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I think about it day in and day out, but it's just that um being able to regulate the thought and go, I don't need to do this in order to get to where I want to be. This is not a requirement yeah. of my career to have to think about it day in and day out. We think about it because we love it and we think about it because it's something that we want to do, but it's not that thought process of like, okay, if I don't think about it day in and day out, then this is not going to happen. That's just not the case, you know? And to be able to be a well-rounded human being and walk into a room with a casting director and be like, hello, um, this is me. They can sense it. They can sense, oh yeah, you're just another person who has interests, not like, oh my God, it's an actor and I don't see the person yeah. behind those eyes. <laughs> Here comes an eccentric. Yeah, you don't want to be thought of that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, we should wrap up um, because we're both busy people. Well, you you, so you are a busy person. I know, You've got so many things to do. <laughs> so um, before we wrap up, do you have anything to plug? Do you want to p- plug your podcast, anything like that? Well, feel free to follow me on um, any of the mediums, Instagram, TikTok. I'm the Luke Cook and I have a podcast, as Rachel mentioned, called The Zaddy Zone. So if you're interested in health and wellness, psychology, self-help, um, there's a whole bunch of things there you might be interested in. So check it out. Mm, definitely. And you were just in season two of Dollface which is on Disney Plus, I think it is. Uh, it's, yeah, in Australia, in Australia, I think it's Disney Plus. Yeah, Hulu yeah, owns Disney. Dis- yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, which which is a great show. I very much enjoyed it. Go and watch it. Um, Disney Love needs it. our money, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do not. 
They do not need that. (laughs) Well, Luke, thank you so much for being here and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Rachel.